thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is Secret Frequencies. I'm your host, Sloki. Um, I'm here with the one and only Oni. You. Um, so what you been up to as far as the, the Oni project goes? You got any new releases coming up or just came out? Yeah, so um, I had released an EP last year called Hatophobia, Fear of Hell. Um, and the remix album EP just dropped. It's more of an EP, but it's also got nine tracks, so I don't know what to call it. It's a release. Um, but the remix release just dropped. It's got a bunch of talented homies on there. Um, all of them are from the East Coast. A bunch of them are, you know, local to Philly. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's uh, going well. I also got a remix of a Josh Teed song called Falling Apart. Um, I've got some original stuff that's finished but unreleased. So, very exclusive material. Very exclusive.
Well, I mean, like, apart from that, like, what have you been doing, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, just making music for different projects? Or is you just kind of focused on Oni? Do you have any like other side projects you want to talk about? Um, you know, I have some ideas for side projects. Um, like I have like a house alias. I also have like, I kind of want to make some more freeform things that aren't, um, you know, confined to genre, but as things stand currently, um, you know, I am really enjoying what's going on with Oni. I'm enjoying the music I'm making, uh, I'm enjoying the way it's being received right now. So that is getting like a majority of my creative attention. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, there, there are other things like in, in terms of work, like I do work as an audio engineer, or at least I was. Um, so I am, you know, I, I am accepted to work at a couple of recording studios. So I'm trying to get more into that. But the timing is also weird because... Right. you know given the circumstances yeah i mean i don't know I, I keep hearing rumors that everything's gonna go back to normal later this year but everybody's saying like maybe not so i don't know like i'm not trying to like you know it's hard to try and plan things you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's it's um it's kind of stressful and i i don't know if i necessarily take solace in this but i know i'm not alone in this experience you know like we're right. all kind of going through it together so it's a, a group struggle, I guess I'll call it. <laughs> right.
if you had to pick like one song this is like like a hard question but if you had to pick one song that like out of your whole catalog that's your favorite or like something you're most proud of what would you pick oh for my personal work um that's a tough question you know because you know as you know you're your own toughest critic so all these right. little flaws that people might not hear you always hear so so you know any older work that's more than two months old i'm like oh i know that this this and this could be improved but that being said i mean one of my favorite songs from back in the day one of the first songs i ever felt like this is a hit um was a track i released when i was still um making music under the name mysterious brown which i believe that was when i met you actually um yeah and you were going by mitchie mills right (laughs) back in the mitchie mills days so i had this song called apex and um i actually just kind of based the structure off a flux pavilion song and the results were phenomenal
Um, and then I had another one a year or two later called Dragon of the East, which was like... It was one of those moments where I heard it in my head and I sat down at the computer and I managed to get it all out the way I heard it. And to this day, that's still an almost impossible feat. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's probably like one of the hardest parts about making music is like, you know, translating, you know, especially in like, you know, weirder genres of music, we can't necessarily say this is one kind of instrument or another is kind of like, you know, kind of twerking knobs until something sounds right or, you know, automating stuff or however else you do your sound design. You know, yeah. I mean? but it's, it's like, it's hard to, you know, translate, you know, that, that concept, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when like your mind is coming up with like basically the equivalent of using double filters and stuff like that where stuff where you're going like meow and you can like hear it in your head but you're like how right. how the hell do i do that in my daw but uh you know right. i i guess it depends how you learn and what you learn but you might come to a point where you can somewhat recreate those things
Do you have any favorite plugins that you like to use? Um, you know, I I'm not gonna lie. I use a ton of Serum. I think it's a great plugin. I'll probably I'm sure that like half the people that know what that is will be like, you just use Serum, <laughs> dude. Um, and you know, there's a million great plugins out there that do a million different things. Um, but yeah, I really like Serum because. At some point in my creative process, like, I used to just throw in a bunch of MIDI piano, which, one, just sounds really bad. But at some point, I was like, oh, I can just swap this out for, like, a cool synthesizer. I don't need this to be, like, a right. piano. Um, back then, I was actually using Massive a lot. So, um, you know, I was using it for all these low-end sounds, but I realized, okay, this also has a ton of capability on the high-end and the mid-frequencies. You know, I can use this for anything. Um, so I basically at some point upgraded from Massive to Serum. Um, and that's been a great tool for me. Um, is there any, like, you know, big difference you've noticed working from Massive to Serum? I mean, I would say mostly... I personally feel like there's a quality difference in the sounds you can get out of it, like just a more modern sounding kind of fresh, crisp sound. Um, there are certainly a lot of similarities in the routing, but there also is more freedom, I think, in Serum in terms of what you can do, more options, I guess you could say. Right. I, I kind of agree with that because, like, I don't know. I feel like also with Serum, it's just easier to make stuff sound good. Like, Massive takes a little bit more work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what DAW do you use? You use Ableton, right? Yeah, I've been using Ableton for uh, just a little over five years now. And before that, I was using FL Studio. Yeah, I remember so. when I met you, you were using uh, FL. You know, I, I was then. Yeah, I was using probably Logic back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I switched. I got a new computer about five years yeah. ago, and back uh, back then, I was kind of at a point in my musical endeavors where I had I was in a rut. You know, I needed something new and exciting to inspire me, and finally making that switch over to Ableton really opened up some new doors for me. Um, you know, at first it was like, you know, I had the fundamentals of production, but I didn't know the DOS. So I was kind of figuring out where things were and how things work, which was also cool because a lot of the music I made then was uh, experimental right. in a sense. 
how would you say like your music has progressed like as a sound like is there anything you, you kind of started at and like you know the difference like where you've started to where you are now you know what i mean mm-hmm. well i remember the first time back uh in my first year or two of production i was working on something it was actually that song that came to me in my head and i remember playing it against a song by an artist i really liked and i was like okay, I realize what's missing from this. It's an entire, like, sub-bass line. Like, you can feel the thickness in this other song that's missing in right. mine. Um, so that was the first step to an overall better sound. But at some point also, I, you know, sometimes you'll make a cool sound, right? And you're like, this sounds really cool, but it's so thin. It's, it has no presence. It, it needs to be thickened up. So I realize... Um, you know, instead of just scrapping this sound, hey, let's make a copy of this sound, right? Then let's take this sound and do something more to it, add more layers to it, different kind of processing. And that that was when I discovered layering synthesizers to give yourself a big, big sound. You know, whatever it is, crunchy, wubby, whatever you want. If you have a sound you like and it's just not hitting enough, make a duplicate channel, process it, and then cohesively those two channels together will be one thick sound. signature thing you do in all your songs as far as like sound design or maybe like a choice of synths or that kind of thing uh you know i think if you really like sat down and listened to all my music you would recognize um there's a pretty consistent style to my music as of recently i've uh, about halfway through last year i started experimenting with a new way of processing sound which was i would take a synthesizer I would turn the volume super, super low, but the actual synth itself was clipping to all hell, and then I would saturate it, I would process it. So this synthesizer 
if you played it at like a normal volume, it would blow out your speakers, right? <laughs> right. But uh, oh, catch my breath. Talk too much sometimes. Okay. So if you played it at a normal volume, it would blow your speakers out. But I actually have all these channels playing at like minus 40. So a normal sound would be basically inaudible, but this other sound that's like super jacked up, it's like a synth on steroids, but because the volume's low, it just sounds normal. Um, but it's also clipping, it's processing, and all these artifacts are coming out of it that aren't supposed to be, but they are. So I, I started experimenting with this style uh, last year. So some of the stuff you'll hear of my recent releases in like the last year kind of have a more consistent sound to it. Yeah. 
talk about your daft punk uh remixes i was just i saw you do a facebook post the other day i was just bumping those those are sick yeah thanks man thanks it uh it's been a while but it takes me back it's it's funny because like every however many years i'll remix a daft punk song and it's almost like a benchmark of like okay how far have i gotten now (laughs) you know yeah that's cool um what do you think about their breakup you think that's for real or they just like waiting to come back i think it's real um uh, so, I'm a big fan of Daft Punk. I I was turned on to them too late for me to ever see them live, which you know at the time I didn't know. I was hopeful, but uh, to be honest, I wasn't totally surprised to hear them breaking up because you know they're getting older. You know their last album was eight years ago. They haven't had a show in forever, right. so I wasn't surprised. Now that being said, they didn't have to make that super sad video. Okay, <laughs> that was a very like they they did us dirty on that, um, but I respect saying, their like decision. Most bands when they break up or bands, I say bands, I guess they're technically a band. Um, when they break up, you know they don't like post a, a video saying, "Oh, we're sorry, we broke up." You know, they're just like they broke up. That's it. You don't get anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the timing is certainly strange. Now, here's my theory: is instead of saying, "Hey, we're calling it quits," like two years after random access memories they just wanted that album to essentially be played out by people so people could enjoy it yeah. and not not feel sad like oh this is daft punk's last album so that's my theory 
Um, but but like I said, you know, they are getting older. Like they've had a great career, like arguably like the best career in electronic music history. Um, so yeah, it, it's um, it's sad, but it's also exciting, you know, because there's people like us who are, you know, we started really young, and we're getting to that age where you know, where basically where they were when they were working on their music career. I mean, I don't know. The, the conspiracy theorist in me is like secretly hoping that, you know, when, when did Random Access Memories come out? Like 2000... 2013, 2013? I believe. All right. So let's say 2023 Daft Punk tour in like two years from now. They're going to like let, let everybody think they're gone and then, you know, just make sure they get their music and their money right and they're going to like come back when touring is safe again. Like... I don't know. Well, um, if, if this happens, I, then you can like watch this video and be like, you know what, Mitch called it, but I, I'll probably just be an idiot. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> that I would like to believe in that. That's that's a conspiracy theory I could get behind. I know, right? Of, of all the ones that have happened this year or last year now, I can't believe it's been a year, dude. It's twenty twenty one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, before we stop talking about Daft Punk, I want to say, in January. I stumbled upon an acapella of harder, better, faster, stronger. Like, just the vocals. I had to do it. I had to remix it. So I've been working on this Ooh. remix. Now, a month and a half later, Daft Punk announces that they're retiring, which is awful. And also an added problem for me is now people are going to think I'm doing this remix <laughs> because they're retiring. Right. But I want everyone to know... Everyone out there, all the millions of people listening right now, I started this remix before they announced their retirement. You heard it here first. Right. Thank you. 
So what like got you into music initially? What was like, this is the thing that I need to be doing? Well, my mom is a pianist. She (laughs) studied piano at uh, Temple University. So I kind of got some of her musical genes. Um, Now, I had played instruments my whole life, but I wasn't always good at it. Um, You know, I played trumpet. I played the drums here and there um i actually started getting more serious about music um when i started listening to fish oh yeah which yeah everyone thinks that's really funny because i'm like the only person ever like it's a whole thing anyways so i started listening to fish and i'm like oh man like i really like this band and i also play like the drum set i should be able to play their music on the drum set and that was the first time I really started putting my spare time into music, you know? It was always kind of a chore before, oh, I got to practice for my lesson. Uh, but, you know, I was just just going for it. Um, as far as electronic music goes, I was introduced to house music in senior year of high school. Um, Daft Punk, Dead Mouse. Hold on, you drink some water. It's getting dry. <laughs> And I was introduced to bass music in late 2010, early 2011, and I kind of had this moment of, like, you can make music like this? Like, I didn't even know this was an option. I want to do this. This is really cool. Um, So that was my, my moment of discovery. And I also, at the same time, and I think a lot of producers and DJs go through this but you have this this dream right this dream of being up there on stage and playing for this big crowd playing music you made and uh, so kind of curiosity coupled with uh, what's the word I'm looking for an urge to follow a dream that 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 is a definition of the word <laughs> yeah, I can't it. think of yep. Um, but yeah, that, that was my inspiration for getting into it. I'm not going to be able to do that. 
process is there anything that you usually do um in every song or does it kind of just like depend on the situation mm, well so you've probably experienced this too right you kind of have your go-to tips and tricks like things you've learned throughout the years and uh it's kind of funny because like those those tricks that you're really familiar with right like let's say you you know how to perfectly eq a sound so it sounds a certain way that you like at some point or another that technique was new to you it was foreign and you either learned it from a video or from someone else or you were just fucking around and you found that technique and now all of a sudden this is in your arsenal permanently um Mm -hmm. so a lot of the things i do uh, you know, at some point or another, were new to me. Like, for example, I've been messing with that processing the clipping noise. Um, that just started as an experiment, and now it's gotten to the point where I know what I'm doing, and I'm trying to advance it more by, you know, just adding more effects on it and other things like that. Um, so, like I said, if you listen to my music, you can tell there's a style. If you listen really carefully, you can definitely pick up similarities uh, between the songs. Now, at the same time, I don't ever want to, like, box myself in too much. So I always, always, every time I make a new track, I always try to do something new. I always try to push the sound further or try a beat that I haven't used in a track. Um, As far as the overall creative process goes... Uh, I think it's really important to distinguify that that everyone's creative process is, is different. And, you know, just because one thing works for someone doesn't mean it necessarily works for another. It's a good thing to try, but, you know, if I say I have a really easy time making music because of X, Y, and Z, that's not the absolute truth, necessarily. Um, so that being said, sometimes when I start a new track, I'm just trying out some new things, trying out an idea I had, 
a different way to use a, th a synth or whatever. Um, and other times I have a specific idea in mind of something I want to make, so I'll go from there. And um, there's kind of these different ways to start up a track, right? Um, but yeah, as it progresses, I will try to detail it up with things I'm familiar with. Um, and even try to push some of those things, if that all makes sense. I hope that answered the question. No, yeah, that's a that's a good answer. <laughs> cool. That's cool, man. That makes a lot of sense, actually. You know, because I definitely do a lot of the same things. You know, because there's oh, definitely sure. stuff you know sure. you learn over the years. But like, you know, like you said, you don't really realize that you you remember how to do it. But you know, it's something that you just you know do for depending on you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, well, we'll wrap it up with this one because I know you're trying to get out of here to watch some Harry Potter. Um, what's your favorite Harry Potter book and movie or or both, I guess? <laughs> um, you know, I can't say I'm very literate and that I have totally read the books. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, I do love The Chamber of Secrets because... You know, the whole series is great, but the Chamber of Secrets is wonderful because, one, like, it just kind of sets up the overall arc of uh, the whole series. But also, like, you still get the um, innocence of being at Hogwarts, like a student. Harry's still really young, uh, and things are getting a little more serious, but... You know, and, you know, I just had... I was just discussing this with my girlfriend. Um... <laughs> Things get a little more serious in the third movie, right? No pun intended, because no, Sirius true. Black. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then by the time you get to the fourth movie, that's when things really start to derail. And it's still entertaining and stuff, but you kind of miss that, like, ah, oh, class at Hogwarts, you know, Malfoy did this to Neville, ha ha ha. Right. Like, you miss that, that innocence. Right, yeah. Um, so my final answer is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is um, my personal favorite Harry Potter. That's mine too, honestly. Although I'd say my nice. second favorite would definitely be Goblet of Fire because I just like the whole concept of other wizarding schools because like they didn't even address it up until that book. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you 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 don't you're like oh yeah, there's an entire world, so there must be more than one school for <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> an entire world of witches and wizards. All right, man. Um, well, thanks for tuning in. This has been Secret Frequencies. Um, I'm your host, Sloki. Once again, this has been Oni. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, anything thanks you want to say before me. we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I would just like to reiterate that my voice is not this nasally <laughs> and lispy in real life. It's just every microphone pickup that exists. Uh, and check out my music. Thank you. Check it. All right, till next time, guys. Thank you.